Hello, this is Rich. Just a quick note at the top to let you know that we had to split this very long episode into two parts. So if you haven't heard the first part, very obviously, now's the time to do so. This is part two. Hi, I'm Gary Vincent. The Ted Dabney Experience podcast is brought to you in association with ACAM, the American Classic Arcade Museum. Visit ClassicArcadeMuseum.org to learn more about our collection and visit us in Laconia, New Hampshire. Uh, Eugene, thank you, Paul. Um, hey, I um, deliberately set about these notes so that I got the honour of asking you about the game that well, almost everyone I know uh, names is one of the greatest classic arcade titles of all time. And that game, of course, would be Robotron. Um, so I wonder if you can go back to uh, your small office in North Halstead Street. I think you may have kind of moved there after starting out in uh, Larry's apartment um, to talk about how that game came about. Now, you've said in the past that Robotron was inspired by two games, Chase on the Commodore Pet and, of course, Stern's Berserk. What was it about the premise of those two games that caught your attention? Well, you know, I've always been fascinated. I can't I kind of like of the humans versus the robots, you know. And I mean, it's it's something that's fascinated. You know, re- most recently in the news, you have uh, you know this Chat GPT and the the AIs are gonna you know turn the machines against the humans, and you know, um, so there you know there's this 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 kind of you know apocalyptic uh, fascination we have with this you know the computers. You know, kind of a rival intelligent life form—the computers versus the humans—and mm-hmm. uh, and so and 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 we kind of personify the computer in the you know in the blood and flesh, or I guess silicon and aluminum of <laughs> of a uh, robot, and uh, and uh, but uh, it was kind of this—it's—we it's, were fascinated by this this you know, some, this other intelligent, uh, maybe intelligent entity. Um, and, uh, uh, so, you know, they, and I, and I just loved the, uh, berserk game and, you know, you're, it was just very kind of white knuckle gameplay where, you know, very kind of close quarters and, um, these walls were, would electrocute you and, um, and, uh, it just, you know, it was very, uh, uh, certain, very exciting. I, the sounds were super cool, you know, kind of the, that you know, like the the gun, mm-hmm. like shots and like you know, like when you hit the robot, it just like um, it was it was just a very you know evil auto comes out. Right. That, I, that was very intriguing and and uh, um, and obviously the pet was kind of a very very early yeah. the chase game there, which was I think a character oriented game if you could believe it. Uh, um, I think like the pie signs were robots, I think or something. <laughs> I forget. Um, I don't even. Know. It's really hard to find a pet these days. Um, yeah, I, yeah. So I think I, I think I saw a screenshot once, and um, I think you might be right around that. But I mean, Berserk, of course, had some limitations, and um, uh, obviously the player could only right. fire in the direction that they're facing. And and you managed to improve on this um, with Robotron with the twin stick system. So can you can you tell us a bit more about about that design choice and at what point you realised that was the way to go? Yeah. So. Um you know, it was uh, playing, but you know, it's very frustrating because you're you're kind of you have to kind of move toward danger, 
to fire a uh, a shot mm-hmm. and very uh you know just you you get killed so often you know trying to uh, is it close is very close quarters um and i was just like man there there must be some other way of doing this and somehow the the revelation that a joystick could actually fire it was just like Using that, it's it's just it is just another switch, absolutely. Actually, so I guess four I guess four switches actually. Mm-hmm. Um, the revelation that that uh, that could be a fire essentially a eight way fire button was just like holy shit, you know? Yeah, and it's quite surprising how intuitive it was back then because. It, it it was a was it the first twin stick, stick shooter? Yeah. But I mean, I, I, it was certainly the first sort of mainstream game to um, implement that control system. Yeah, as far as I know, it was the first one I was familiar with. And uh, yeah, just uh, and, and the fact that you could retreat and then fire it was it was just more like real life. You know, you're running away, you're firing back. It it, it just had a uh, a great thing. And and kind of when I was when I was working out that design, I had I had broken my right hand in a uh, a car accident. Okay. And, uh, my actually somebody went flying through a red light and and pulverized my MGB, oh. which uh, was, you know, broke my heart, man. Those are some a really, a really fun car, but you know, not you. You didn't do too well when, when like you ran into a truck, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, but uh, um, so you know, I really needed. I couldn't really use a fire button very well, and uh, you know, by by taping my uh, cast to a because uh, um, I, I, I couldn't really use my fingers either um, to a joystick. It was it, it was it was quite a nice interface. Um, <laughs> Uh, so you actually taped your you actually taped your cast yeah. to and uh, the I, I was actually two Brilliant. Atari twenty six hundred <laughs> joysticks. We just you know took them out of a and then we just screwed them. Okay, drilled holes in the bottom of them and screwed them to a a, a Defender uh, control panel. Um, wow, and so That's you amazing. know it was it was fun. You know, and it was weird. The um, so we uh, I think I drew the artwork. You know, there was like three animations for a robot. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I guess when we 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 started this VidKids thing, we decided okay. Larry was excited about doing this game uh, called Conquest, which would be kind of a multi-screen. You know, like the Defender is kind of a multi-screen. Uh, you know, ras- raster kind of game, and so it was right. to a multi-screen, but scroll it both up, down, and left and right, and kind of a spaceship kind of game where you would uh, kind of taking Defender into you know a true. Totally, like outer space, where you could go in any direction. Okay, um, not just left and right, and you know, fight aliens or whatever. So he was working on this really ambitious thing, and and I was, I was, you know, I wanted to try this Robotron thing, and so, um, you know, I drew out the robot, the three little. I think maybe it was just one animation that started. I think there's only three frames of this robot. It's crazy, um, but. Uh, um, and uh, you know, and and kind of the idea from that early uh, space game, we the Defender prequel, to start in the middle of the screen. So the the, the idea was, you know, again like Space Invaders, everything comes down on you. Right. Um, the next thing is everything. You know, what's more challenging than that? Well, everything comes at you, not just down right. on you, but from all sides simultaneously. <laughs> and it's like, like this is, you know. Well, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting point. I mean, 
as as you um, allude to there, one of the one of the key elements of Ro- of Robotron, of course, compared to something like Defender of Stargate, is 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 that that sort of player confinement. You know, given the way the game was taking shape, you must have quickly realised that that with a game full of large moving sprites, each with their own characteristics, of course, it was going to be impossible to implement a a sort of scrolling system across multiple screens. So, so that that sort of constant feeling of being cornered and, and and having to fight your way out, there isn't a great deal of choice in the matter. You you're always making that sort of last stand. Well, you know, really, I could have done that. It, it would have been impossible. But yeah. <laughs> but I guess it was part of my philosophy of game design was mm. you know you think like actually I had I had this document for Robotron actually because now I was a professional game designer, and it was several pages. And actually, it was going to be this maze that was like, you know, all these levels and all this stuff, more kind of like berserk almost. And, uh, but I, but it kind of, it's like my philosophy is do the most basic thing first. And if that's fun, you know, you're done. You know, it's like, it's like just if it's not fun, then do step number two or three. But if you, if it's fun at step number one, you're fucking done. You know, (laughs) you know, it's like a uh, if then. Uh, game design statement. And uh, so it was just like, well, let's just start with the most basic thing, a giant, you know, just a screen, you know, no scrolling, you know, I've, I, I could have done scrolling, you know, don't, don't shortchange me there. No, the, <laughs> the, <laughs> but it was like, why, why bother? You know? <laughs> and, um, and so, um, and it was just, it was, it was interesting that first day I had, I think I, I think I did the electrode and, um, and then I, mm-hmm. then I, then I, you know, and then I created like, you know, with this kind of this multi-threaded code, I could just type in a number and say, create, you know, five Robotrons, 10 Robotrons, 20, a hundred, you know, just uh, very simple. And so I, you know, I tried, okay, let's try out five of them, you know, like, you know, like, boom, okay, they're done. All right, let's do 10, you know, like, and it just got funner and funner and funner. And then it was like, um, you know, I I just said okay, a hundred Robotrons. You know, and then it was like, oh shit! It's like <laughs> it was it was insane. You know, and the, but the, the crazy thing, this was the only game I ever worked on that it was actually fun. Like the third day of the project, you know, yeah. Def- Defender was not fun for like nine months. Sure, you know, this game was fun. Just that basic you and the and the robots was fun in three days, and 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 so it was just like there was a magic there with it and that with that dual stick control and everything it was just this magic you know yeah and i, I mean the 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 backstory of robotron obviously um, presumably created by someone in williams marketing department you know the you know you are the last hope of mankind dude that was me you- that was me. i wrote that fucking thing man oh was that you oh from like, Africa. research temporal <laughs> research that was that was <laughs> oh, sorry seriously <laughs> you can- you, you can you can edit that out, Richard. No, I'm staying in. <laughs> right. This guy can do anything. Right? Let me do that again. So Eugene, you even wrote a backstory to to uh, to, to exactly. Well, it, 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 that that whole backstory, it, it, you know, it, it, you, right. you possess superhuman powers. Your mission is to stop the the Robotrons, which which of course creates the the basic risk reward aesthetic that wow. makes Robotron what it is. Can can you talk a bit about that sort of push pull risk reward and how difficult it was to get that balance right? You you, you mentioned there about well let's add a hundred of them. Oh no, that's too much. Right. So dial so, it down a bit. Yeah, it it. Uh, but but before I deal with that, uh, the what I thought the most interesting line of that whole thing is is 
the human race is inefficient and therefore must be destroyed. And I, you know, it's like, that's at the end of the day, it's just about efficiency, you know? And, and uh, but it's just, it's, it's this bleak kind of thing, you know, um, the, the logic, you know? Um, but um, yeah, the, so it's interesting once you have, and, and Defender was very similar to this too. Once, once you have kind of like a core fun element, um, which was the, uh, you know, like the uh, and defender was getting the the landers going and mm-hmm. the mutants and so forth and getting that one the the first basic enemy the the worldview the mm-hmm. um, they you know the scanner that stuff um, and then in Robotron it was you know just having those Robotrons um, and they and they I mean their program was like 10 lines of code, they just moved toward you. You know, just, there was nothing, I mean, it was, but it's, it seemed, but it was weird how you get these like schools of them, you yeah. know, and they're following you around. And it's like, I mean, it, it seems like maybe they have some kind of intelligence, but it's, it's, it's five lines of code, but uh, um, you, uh, so the, it's kind of like, that's the broth, you know, that's the chicken broth or the beef broth. And then, and then you are the vegan, you know, uh, paleo lentil soup, you know, whatever it is, you know, um, you know, sustainably, uh, for, for, what? <laughs> Eugene, Eugene, can I just come in here? Oh, uh, oh is that right? Okay. Paleo is okay. not vegan. All right. I just well, want to, I've got no problem with veganism. I'm just, well, I, just but, I mean, you're pointing eating, that out. Cows, uh, cow, cow, right? On you go. But on cows go. are vegetarians, right? So really you're eating grass, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, you thought about going into <laughs> politics at all, Eugene. But uh, <laughs> anyway, the, uh, that's my next step. But then the, uh, um, yeah. uh I was I was going to mention um, uh, Eugene some of the subtle touches within Robotron that I think many people overlook, and there's so many within the game. But but the one I thought of that um, always sort of strikes me as as either a stroke of genius or an unintentional nice thing is that snapshot that you get at the start of each wave before everything starts moving towards you is it, it's like a like a brief glimpse of what needs to be done for the next sort of minute oh, yeah, or so yeah, before yeah, all yeah. hell gets let loose. It was was that I, I think deliberate? It, to, to... I think it was. You know, you never know. It might have just been a bug or something. But okay. the but that, that was it was like as you're appearing, you know, you're doing that kind of materialization and into the middle of the screen. But it is, it's kind of like I just love it because it's like, okay, here it is, dude. You have you have like one second to figure out what the fuck you're gonna do. You know, how are you gonna stay alive yeah. in the next next, you know, three milliseconds? And and but it's you have to kind of gestalt it, you know? And I just it's part of my yeah. philosophy of gaming is um I don't like pattern games. I don't like um a game where you just go left, right, up, down. You know, if you memorize some crap and you win, you know, I, I want people to actually have to deal with the algorithms to, you know, like you're dealing with like organisms and you have to figure out like, how do you outwit these, these Robotrons? How do you outwit the enforcers? You know, and it, it is not something you can memorize. You really have to uh, learn how to play the game and and the physics and the tactics and the um how they spawn how they reproduce mm-hmm. you know how they it's it's like it's like a, a, a ecosystem you know and and uh but it's kind of like but i love the fact that you just look at it and you have to some kind of just intuit like you know two o'clock you know right now you know it's like and you, and you go two o'clock and you just like guns blazing and you know yeah. you know just absolute panic and you know, sometimes you can make it, but, you know, but sometimes you have to, 
when you have that huge screen of grunts, it's really interesting. If you break out too quick, they're still all on the edges and they'll kill you. So you have to you have to be a certain amount of time as you're breaking out, the mass mm-hmm. will condense toward you and then you and you could break to the outside and then they're not all still on the outside mm-hmm. and you, then you can get outside of them and then you can you know start picking them off from from the from the edges of the screen. So it's like um the time you know it's weird. It's like if you're out there too early, if you have a great start and it's totally easy to get out there, you'll kill yourself because you have to you have to let them suck in and then you then you get through at the last minute to break through and then you have room to maneuver and and, and I mean, basically you're, you're just shooting your way through them you know and just clearing uh, their pixels you know it's, it's kill or be killed mm-hmm. yeah one of the things we were gonna raise with you um, Eugene obviously no, we, we think no no conversation about Robotron would be complete without mentioning the infamous Mikey bug right um, so for the uninitiated can you just Tell us briefly about how this bug became a gameplay feature of Robotron. Right. Um, well, it was kind of bizarre because, uh, um, and again, it was a, a bug. Some of the, the the best features in both Robotron and Defender, most of them are bugs. And it's so cool that um, this bug created, it creates like a new nuance in the game. And uh, the Mikey bug was there was some some error in the initialization algorithm, such that um, if you um, I think if you if you killed all the you'd have to pick up all the uh, humanoids in the uh, uh, earlier waves, uh, I guess waves two, three, and four, or one one two, three, and four. And if you pick them all up, then on the fifth wave, um, all the Robotrons would go for Mikey, and which is pretty common. I mean, it's pretty common that you did not. Uh, um, I, I guess maybe it's just the last, maybe it's just the fourth wave you have to pick them. And the they they all just you know rather than the algorithm says they're supposed to go for the closest human to, you know, turn them into a prog, but. Um, the brains, I'm sorry, the brains go for the humans. And, uh, but uh, if it, they all end up doing this bug, they all go for, for Mikey. And so if you could keep Mikey alive, if you could protect him, the brains would not create any progs on that wave and obviously make the wave much easier. And, uh, and then you would preserve all the humanoids and, and you could create this, this huge jackpot bonus mm-hmm. That would give you like three or four free men, and uh, and it, it just would, would such a key key booster for you to almost double double your your men, and uh, yeah. but if you, um, you know, if you didn't, if and it's very hard to protect them. Actually, I don't know how many times I died trying to protect them. You know, it's like, uh, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because you you've got to kind of. You know, you kind of it, it scripts your movement a little while. You kind of have to keep your you know your laser like tra- trained on him just to get you know, and uh, and he starts going somewhere else, and you know you you got to worry about staying alive, and it, it's a lot, it's a it's just a lot of uh, you know priority uh, task management. Uh, you know, it's it's almost too much for people, but uh, a good good you know a good player can make it happen, and and uh, yeah. it's it's amazing, it's an amazing thing, and and every wave it turns out. Um, Every brainwave, there's somebody, another thing. I think because there's just one Mikey in, in that wave, yeah. it's very apparent. But in the other waves, they actually all go for a certain human 
and you can kind of feel that if you you kind of watch who, what they're converging on you can you can actually exploit that in in other ways but it's 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 much more subtle and it and at what point did that bug become apparent i think it was like 3 or 4 someone, years 3 or 4 oh, years really? so, after i was playing it <laughs> would, <laughs> would someone would someone have written in to 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 Williams to, to sort of say yeah. that or, or, yeah, or, or I forget maybe it was uh, I don't I don't I don't know how uh, I don't I, I don't know how we figured it out it, I think it was just some word of mouth thing but it might have been in one of the magazines of that day okay you know maybe yeah, Joystick cool. magazine and yeah. Uh, okay um, yeah cool and uh, um this is probably going a bit deep yeah um, yeah. Uh, Eugene, I'm sure you don't mind. So we're not talking here about Smash TV or Total Carnage, but we understand through the grapevine, cough, John Newcomer, cough, that at some point in the mid-80s, Williams asked you to do a sequel to Robotron, but you declined. Does that ring any bells? Um, yeah, possibly. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, it's such a, you know, it's one of those games that, and then maybe I, they probably did. And, uh, but I, I, you think about um, like Pac-Man, you know, a brilliant mm. game, amazing game. And there's been like, there was like a billion sequels to Pac-Man. And, mm-hmm. and what do people play today? Pac-Man, you know, it's the original. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, I don't know, the, it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, the, it's almost like pop songs, you know, you get the, like the original track of, mm-hmm. you know, um, She Loves You or something, you know, like by the Beatles or Marvin Gaye, you know, Let's Get It On or something, you know, yeah. it, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like you, there's, and people, they cover it, they do this and that and the other, you know, but there's never as good as that original there's like this magic that is, it just, all these things converged. It was like this brilliant song with a brilliant singer and, and an incredible, you know, supporting band. And it was just that, that day in the studio where everything clicked and it's just really hard to reproduce that magic, you know, um, by fiat, you know, mm-hmm. it, it works for you on the cruising series though. Uh, Eugene, if I can just call you out there. Well, yeah, true that, but that you know that was kind of a uh, you know kind of a geographic thing, and and so you could just go to more different places and, and fair enough, you know, add a few little things. But these games are kind of pre, uh, almost like this is like pre-graphical era. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, of you course. Know, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, John Newcomer seemed to think it was because the stipulation was that uh, the follow-up would have to be done on a vertical monitor so it could be sold as a kit. Oh, okay. But but you guys were like, well, we don't think that's going to work in a in a sort on a on a vertical monitor. So, well, that, but anyway, but, well, that was true. You know, actually, you know, they might have. I, I recall that. I remember they made Joust. They were going yes. to do Joust two. That's right. And uh, and then it was like, oh, cool, you know. And they're working on Joust two, and then at some somewhere um, during that project, um, they, they decided, well, you know, kits are big. Um, we're going to change it to a vertical format. But Joust is like this left and right, you know, yes. flying game. You know, kind of like Defender. And yeah. and it's like, no, that, that it can't work vertically, you know, because. You, you you don't have enough room to fly and you're just going up and down and yeah, yeah, yeah. and so um but you know they, they, then they you know somehow they they brought it out and you know it was it sucked and and then so we had a joke about that that um you know it was like oh you you know this is this was like 
game design at Williams, you know, and it was like this, you know, step one, make, make a great game, you know, step two, you know, convert it to uh, vertical format, you know, <laughs> step three, it sucks, you know, step, step four, um, you know, the final version was you convert to rear facing format. <laughs> Right, <laughs> where, where the screen faces the wall, you know, just yeah, yeah. and it was just like, um, but you, you can't, you know, you have a game that's, you know, like Defender or, you know, Robotron. The the eyes, your eyes are left and right on your head, you know, so that your your field of view is much bigger horizontally than vertically. You know, you you can't just willy nilly stuff something into a vertical format. Yeah, very very true. Yeah, and so although Robotron didn't have a um, official follow-up. Um, did you have some involvement with Smash TV and Total Carnage, which, which which sort of seemed to be spiritual successors to Robotron? And and did you like how those games sort of expanded upon the the Robotron universe? You know, I, uh, I obviously my favorite of of those is uh, Smash TV. I, I did I did work on both of those, um, uh, and uh, it was it was funny that we had this new guy. Um, joined our studio at, at Williams, uh, a guy named Mark Termel. And he was, he's kind of like, he was a California guy and he was kind of, a, uh, you know, he dressed, you know, like Hollywood, you know, Hollywood style. He had like big hair, super big 80s hair. And the guy was like, you know, six foot something. And uh, he wore like those, like white, white uh, and black, you know, combo shoes and the guy was you know it was crazy you know and we're just like comes into like you know the, sh- the our shithole studio in, in chicago and the bowels of some ancient you know world war ii factory <laughs> you know and like <laughs> and like like dude what are you doing here man it's like, it's like you got the you catch the wrong flight man it's like la is like you know two thousand miles the other way um but he loved video games and and he wanted to come to williams and uh um, and he was a huge Robotron fan. And okay. so his dream was to do a Robotron sequel. And, okay. and I was trying to talk him out of it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, but he, you know, he, I, you know, he had some pretty cool ideas. So I said, you know what, I'm, I'm in, you know? And so, uh, you know, we got a team together and, uh, and, and, and we had this brilliant artist, John Tobias, who went on to be the, yes. one of the creators of Mortal Kombat, right. that whole series. Uh, this guy was amazing, but, uh, the, the tools were so primitive in those days. Um, mm-hmm. and he, so we were in smash TV, we were doing, uh, this kind of two and a half D thing. We were doing kind of this three quarters overhead camera. Right. And it looked, I mean, it's beautiful looking and it's, you know, there's still, that format is still used today in many, you know, strategy games and so forth. It's, 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 it's a wonderful format. And uh, so I remember for some of the guys, we actually got up on a, a step ladder and we were doing digitization in those days. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we got a camera up on a step ladder and shot some of the grunts and um, the, one of the basic things. But for all the boss monsters and stuff, you know, we couldn't, you know, build a model of some gigantic boss monster. So um, John um, actually would just do in his mind, he would do, uh, you know, we just had 2d art tools, but in his mind, he could project all the pixels from any angle. And so he had to do the rotations of these uh, boss monsters. I guess come the most famous one was this one called mutoid man mm-hmm. who had all these kind of like a, a Russian uh, 
doll where you know you blow off one piece and you get the next one and the next one and I finally mm. it's a guy in his underwear in the scooter or something like I don't know but, yes. but <laughs> polka dotted underwear anyway the but uh, <laughs> um, the uh, but John could could in his brain just do these three D projections and these angles uh, of view we needed to have uh, you know I I don't forget how many angles it was maybe sixteen angles of view. And uh, beautiful, beautiful artwork. It was such an amazing game to work with, uh, you know, guys like Mark Tamell and John Tobias. Eugene, um, we're now going to come on to one of your less well-known games, which is Blaster. Right. Now, it is a space shooter. You know, you've done them before, but this time it's in, in three rather than two dimensions. So my first question is, were you keen to to have a crack at a 3D game? Oh, yeah. So um, I think there was some, uh, you know, at that point there was some, uh, there's a game called Zaxxon, you know, I think maybe a year or two before and, and some kind of two and a half D type projection uh, games. And we we're just going, you know, let's. You know, it seemed like 3D was in the offing, and it was like let's let's take a track, you know, like Defender in 3D. You know, you know what what could, what could go wrong? Yeah, that. You know, it's like <laughs> oh, you're giving away the punchline. Oh, I was when I was reading about this game because it is one of your less well-known ones. Yes, I was yes. really surprised to hear that it began as a game for for the Atari 800 with a sort of a view to perhaps putting it on the Atari. 5200 console which was kind of slated for release i just were you contemplating moving into the home market at, at this point then well i think yeah i think we were um you know the coin-op business was getting uh, obviously the arcade crash was starting in that era and it seemed like um you know but the the, the computer it was kind of the rise of the home computer yeah and uh, and they were and the, and the Atari you know eight hundred was a pretty cool machine mm. and uh, uh, the Commodore sixty four was very successful and and so it was like well let's you know let's do some uh, you know this, since the arcade maybe is kind of dying let's let's segue into these uh, this this new uh, arena and and do something really cool that, that's intriguing now the game the game itself relies on scaling sprites you kind of you give that feel of flying to the screen because the sprites grow and um, w- was that tricky. Tricky to implement. Um, it was it was a pain in the ass. Okay, um, so, <laughs> right. So, tell us more. So it was right. uh, a um, you know we're, we're dealing with the uh, pretty much the old uh, uh, Robotron hard. I guess I guess pretty much yeah the Robotron hardware system essentially, and uh, so we had to um, we had to basically make and that hardware really had no scaling feature, so we had to basically draw. Hand draw the 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 growing of the object. You know, I think we had maybe I don't know maybe like twenty four different sizes or something. Oh wow! Of of everything. <laughs> Great. And, uh, um, so it, you know, it was it was uh, it was a lot of work, yeah. but uh, you know, actually the effect was pretty cool. Yeah, I'm not against the effect. I was going to say, do you do you think you nailed it? Because for the time, I think it does yeah. have a sense of. Of, of sort of flying into the screen and having all these things sort of, you know, in your face. So at the time, did yeah. you think, oh, we have nailed this? Yeah. No, it was. I think it was pretty cool. And uh, and we had, I like these cool tunnels where you yeah, yeah. go through these tunnels and you'd, you'd uh, kind of taking from Robotron to where you rescue these spacemen. Of co- yeah, yeah. And, 
Um, and it just very. I like going through the gates. I rather like as well as you sort of like right. It. And so that is where you know we would did that level because you know it's kind of cool to have a plane of reference. Mm. You know, like when you're in space, it's kind of all out there, and and but it's it's kind of cool when you're when you have a ground plane. And then, you know, kind of you have to duck under these arches and, um, you know, you can relate to that more. So mm-hmm. um, that was a really fun thing. And we could use our, our – uh, that was the one things we could grow were rectangles that were of a constant color. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. so that way we could actually use our hardware to grow those uh, arches and, and, and some of those objects in the, in the kind of we call that the robot world. Um yeah, we had those giant robots with, you know, rectangles made from, you know, just giant pixels and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it was it was kind of surrealistic, you know. It was, oh, it was, it was, yeah, uh, there's some there's know. a lot of weird things going on. Right. I mean, I, I just like to point out that the giant pulsating ease. Now, now that sort of right. preempts um ease were very big later on in that decade. So uh right. so yeah, well, well done there. <laughs> um these, it's yeah. a bit bonkers. There's a bit where you fly through cat world. Um, again, right, this suggests right. that you were just um, – you could do what the hell you want. No one was telling you what, what might be acceptable. Right. It's like, you know, going down the rabbit hole at Alice in Wonderland, <laughs> you know, and just, you know, you're in the cat world. You're in the these crazy alien, like – it almost looked like motorcycle gang, you know. That's right. And uh, um, just all the – any bizarre things. We, we Actually, we had some really brilliant artists on that game, uh, Ken Robertson huh? – uh, and John Sheldrake, right. and they just did some beautiful, beautiful, uh, crazy artwork. That's great. So that that's interesting that you've got other people. Were these people that were working for for Vid Kids then? Yeah. So they were. They, yeah, they were working for. So Vid Kids. Oh, Vid Kids is expanding. Oh, by the way, at what point then? We said it started as a potentially a home game. Is that at what point did well? I don't know. Someone at Williams say no, 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 no. This can be a. This can be an arcade. This can be a coin-op game. Right. So we, um, I guess at some point they wanted to see what we were doing and, and or we invited them over or something and they and they saw the game and they go, well, man, that's pretty mm. cool. Let's, why don't you guys make an arcade game out of it? And so and you're like, we, we said, we said, all right. <laughs> and so, uh, so anyway, it was, it was, uh, um, you know, I, I, obviously we had to redo the, artwork kind of up res everything you know and and uh but it was fun it was it, it was really a much more beautiful version of it than the uh eight, than the 800 well, yes yeah and now now eugene i have to I have to say we all yeah. we all have our idea of, of of paradise but in blaster we actually right. get to see yours on the very final level yeah. and it involves <laughs> flying through pirouetting ballerinas now now eugene have you have you mentioned this to your therapist <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. That, that's that's interesting. There's some sort mm. of, uh, you know, uh, some some uh, you know some some fetish some un, some uh, fetish. We've got that. Un, un, <laughs> untreated, untreated fetish. Okay, uh, but I don't know. It, it, it's it's a really big challenge. You know, it's like mm. I think actually, and you know, because once you show paradise it's never paradise you know it's like it, it's it's just you know it's like it's it's just pirouetting ballerinas or it's just you know you know whatever you know it's it's it you can't because it's that all there is to paradise you know like all there is it's, it's, it's become a very is, philosophical podcast uh really eugene yes no you can't ever i just want to see you at the finally games and you right and it has, go, yeah, oh my right. god it is 
pirouetting ballerinas. Right. I was right, right all everything. Along. But no, it, it 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 you have to. It's 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 better. It's a dream. It's whenever the, it's this amazing, perfect dream. Anything that is realized is imperfect. Mm. You know, so well. you can never realize well paradise. Well, should we come paradise. on to that? Every, anything that's realized yeah. is never perfect. Well, blaster, yeah, lots and lots of interesting ideas, lots of crazy enemies, twenty levels, a lot going on. Did not match the success of your previous three releases. So, come, what, due to the game itself, all the timing of the release. Or maybe a bit of both. I think a combo. I think it was a combo. Right. And I think we, you know, you learn the limitations of the 3D format, mm-hmm. you know, where 3D, you realize like, well, 3D is not the end all and the beat all. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like this very visually stimulating and exciting thing, but it's very hard to get that subtlety of gameplay and, and that, um, complexity that you know it's like the complexity is like this shit's getting big and it's gonna hit me you know it's like that's your (laughs) most complex thought you know and and uh you know but you know where where, like say robotron or defender you have you know all these intricacies of like oh there's 17 enemies and they're this guy is in the corner and he's shooting me and this guy's over here and he's gonna crush me to death and you know and the the human is is ready to be you know you know programmed over here and you know you've got all you can you got 17 things you're watching where you know 3d is just like yeah there's big shit there's a lot of, yeah there's big shit there's coming out a lot of, there's big shit coming out that is your thought you know yeah. and, and and so it's not a subtle uh that subtle kind of rich gameplay it's very hard to get that yeah that's through yes until much later on when you could have 3d yeah. world that you could move freely at that stage you were quite limited in what you can do which is not right you're kind of in a tunnel yeah you're in a tunnel this is again it's philosophical you're in a tunnel and big shit's coming to hit you um now (laughs) um given your first three games are bona fide classics when this wasn't eugene was it was it a bit humbling yeah oh yeah you know i think uh yeah, it, uh, you have to say it because you know you get used to uh, you know your zero you know your zero level rises up right. you know like yeah. your zero becomes like mega hit and then now all of a sudden you went negative uh, you know infinity right <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was like it was it was it was very humbling so and then the whole industry was kind of crashing down at that point in time yeah and, yeah. Um, you know, they had the whole, you know, had the 2,600 cartridges and the of course. Walmart, Walmart and, uh, you know, Ben for $2 a piece. And, yeah. You know, they're bur- they're burying them in landfills and, you know, all yes, those was... landfills in New Mexico. Yeah, you were right. right. You were right in. Yes, yeah. you were right in the middle of that. Can, can I just say that I, I am, yeah. don't take this the wrong way. I am kind yeah. of pleased that that Blaster failed because it just proves that no one's perfect, doesn't it, Eugene? Right? There's so many philosophical oh lessons that we're learning <laughs> that we're learning during this podcast. <laughs> I, I became human. There, there you go. Back to it. Human. Back to it. Um, now we do love hearing about rare cabinets on this podcast, and we understand right. that a very small amount of sit-down Blaster cabs were produced which sounds a great idea given the nature of the game you know makes us think of star wars uh their sort of cockpit cabinets is that right that there is th- yeah. is it three is that I'm- i think there is three of them right have you got one and 
You know, I, my uh, my brother has one of them. Okay. And, uh, whoa, 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 so whoa. I, that's quite really a revelation. Nice to him. Maybe I can go over and play, <laughs> play it sometimes. But uh, that was it. Yeah. No, no, we'll we'll no, get his address no, later, no. Tony. They'll never know it's us, right? <laughs> no, I really, I gotta call him up about it. You know, and I, I gotta, I really need to talk to him about that. You know, because I, I haven't played it in a long time. I hope it's still. I hope he hasn't. Uh, Converted into firewood. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> don't, don't do that. We'll get. We'll get. We're feeling poorly now. Stop, don't do that. I know. I hope it's. I, I hope it's still. That there. would. I'm gonna. I, you know, hmm. I should check up on that. I really think so. I you, should. you really should, and you should give um, it us to make sure it's looked after. Yeah, that's definitely that's true. That's what you should do. <laughs> um, now, even though Blaster wasn't the, the big hit you had before, it did at least get released. Um, now, you alluded to, uh, earlier about a game called Conquest that, that sort of Larry, and to some extent, you had, had worked on. But we've heard of another Lost Project. Is it correct that you, for a brief time, worked on colour vector games Is for Williams? Is that true? That is true. Brilliant. And uh, I guess, when the hell was that? Well, I, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking 80, is it around the time of Blaster, sort of 83? Maybe yeah, it was. Maybe that was pre-Blaster. I don't, you know, must have been. Because when you know, when Blaster was over, we just kind of, uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, they were, there was a hard guy, hardware guy at uh, Williams. Mm-hmm. And we were working to create, this was, you know, in, in the uh, the early 80s, maybe 83, yeah. Yeah. Um, 84 time frame. And uh, there was some brilliant uh, color vector uh, games mm. from uh, Cinematronics yeah. and Atari. Yeah. And and we just love that, you know, kind of that vector um, smoothness and resolution and everything. Mm. And, um, and I guess, what was that? Eliminator, I think that was, uh, mm. I think, from Cinematronics. Eliminator. Yeah, vaguely. That didn't yeah, get over was, here. I know that. Didn't, yeah. yeah, and there was... Uh, you know, I forget there was a few other ones, but um, the um, so we, yeah, we were working on that, and we just never. Uh, I think we were. We it turned out we were like trying to violate the uh, second law of thermodynamics, <laughs> and uh, and uh, it didn't turn out well for us. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I, it never does, actually. Yes, <laughs> right. Yeah. Good. So did did you, did you get anywhere with that? I mean, it was there. You know. Could you say, well, we, we try to do Defender in Vectors. I mean, did you have anything yeah. on screen? We never, you know, they never really got the hard work going. It, mm. it was just too many noise issues. And, uh, you know, so mm. it never really happened. You know, I think, that, and I kind of think, you know, when I think think about this is current, there's this current vision, like these things called quantum computers yeah, they're talking right. about, you know, and my thoughts on that after after because this was kind of like an analog computer this vector generator um, hardware and after experiencing the problems with noise and so forth um, I kind of realized that I kind of think like these quantum computers hmm. um, basically you know they're basically again I think they're trying to violate the laws of the thermodynamics and also Heisenberg's uncertainty principle hmm. and <laughs> I think they, um, you know, what they'll end up with is the world's most expensive and beautiful chandelier sh- slash random number generator. Wow. <laughs> See, and, you heard it first here, people. <laughs> <laughs> Eugene, let's, 
let's um thanks for all this let let's let's move on through your timeline um and after blaster you you left VidKids and the world of video games in 1984 to attend Stanford right. University, right. where you, right. I That's believe, correct. eventually gained an MBA in 86. Am I right? Were you, were you missing the industry you know, during this time? Or were you, were you still connected to Williams in some way? Actually, I was uh, crazy enough. <clears throat> I made some uh, extra cash on the side. Don't, don't, tell, don't tell the IRS about this. Um, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you I just did. A, you know, a few hundred quid on the side. Uh, <laughs> I was uh, actually I was working on uh, sound effects for um, some of the Williams pinballs right. at the time, and uh, uh, I guess High Speed. They had a game High Speed. Oh, and, uh, okay. Space Shuttle and uh, several other their their pins of that era. While I was going to business school. Okay, so you were mo- moonlighting. Yeah, for and I, you know, I, I love the you know. There's something beautiful about the games world. Um, you know, I learned a lot about business and, and actually it came in useful mm. because it turned out like every company I ever went, worked for in video games, um, other than my current company, um, has gone bankrupt. <laughs> and, and, uh, mm. and so, the, <laughs> so Atari and then eventually, uh, right. Williams, sure. Yeah. And are you implying that there's some thread, <laughs> some, some through line? So, <laughs> But the, no, but yeah, I was wondering that it wasn't because of me, you know. Right. And I, okay. I, I do, um, you know, after being in uh, this new business, Rothfuss, which you know, a new was new twenty two years ago. Um, um, you know, you know, I kind of realized the pain of all the managers that tried yeah. to deal with me, you know, and and budgets, and you know, we would just blow through budgets yes. and timelines, and you know, and I, I kind of realized, like, you know, maybe I was not really kind to those those nice people or not so nice people but <laughs> okay <laughs> but you know i i realized you know there's there's another side of the equation there right. too uh but i don't think i really i don't think i was the cause of the the whole sure. debacle no 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 i mean I, I, obviously we're just joking i mean, I mean w- w- but you did you right. know you did formally go back to williams didn't you so did, did they did they give you carte blanche to to take the video game division forward would you say and did they did they approach you can i ask or did you approach them no i and i just i was dreaming and i found i was just still dreaming about games you know and i was and uh, I, I had this vision of right um uh you know doing um this you know kind of this digitization thing which we had done uh I, it was was in the air at that point um doing, uh, you know, taking video. And I think my friend Steve Ritchie actually worked on a game where he did some digitization of spaceships and stuff. And I was like, man, this is a great idea, you know, and let's digitize. Let's go out. I was saying, you know, let's go out and do photorealistic video games. And uh, Okay, I know yeah. exactly where you're and, going with this. And I just had this and, dream uh, of... Go on. And, and there was like this huge, you know, kind of like today, there was just this incredible wave of crime and drugs and, you know, chaos and all this, you know, just a, um, crazy shit going on. So we're talking about NARC, aren't we, Eugene? We, we're getting to NARC. Go on. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and but there was just this, this, you know, waves of, you know, just these terrible drugs, you know, like in, in that era, it was like uh, um, crack and cocaine and 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 the, the, obviously this era it's fentanyl you know yeah yeah and uh 
are just terrible things that are just destroying people's brains and and uh you know and and causing a lot of yep. criminality and, and crazy stuff and so um and so you had this war on drugs back then. And I was just thinking, you know, some and kind of... Winners do not do drugs, Eugene. Winners do not do drugs. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that was, that was yeah, the official FBI symbol. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, I that. yeah for, for NARC, it was say no or die. Yeah, brilliant. And the, the, so we had the, you know, this whole um, just say no. And, you know, and, 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 and really that's... Not a bad idea, you know, for a lot of things. I wish I'd have said no about a few other <laughs> few things in my life. But uh, um, the um, uh, so you know, just let's let's just cap. You know, rather than be about spacemen and men in tights and 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 you know, crazy little um, characters and Pac-Man and you know, Mario and all this, you know, this Mickey Mouse crap. Let's do like the real deal. Let's do what's happening out on the streets right now and, and okay. kind of the drama with the war on drugs. And so, um, so that was the dream of NARC. And I was just, you know, I was going, you know what I, I, um, you know, after, you know, coming to business school, I realized, uh, um, that, uh, uh, you know, that let's use other min- other people's money to do this. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this could be a high risk situation. <laughs> let's 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 use uh, mm-hmm. use William's money to uh, to do this whole new uh, new system. And uh, um, you know, we had to do an entirely new hardware system. To you know, we went to two hundred fifty six colors and. And in fact, we had two hundred fifty six palettes of two hundred fifty six colors. So it was just, it was, it was. You know, we could basically destroy almost anything. Uh, we went to high res. So this was this was a um, game that makes use of Warren Davis's beloved WTARG system, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So you're rotoscoping. Yeah, and, Are you rotoscoping essentially in animation terms or digitizing or? Um, we could obviously you could you could do that. We we digitized and right. then. Uh, and then you could rotoscope a, a glow around them, you know, for effect. And is that um, is that where you got the 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 animation of the of the players and 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 enemies and? Um, we would green screen. We do green screen. Oh right, yeah, sure, okay, yeah, yeah. And uh, so we shot them on green screens. Maybe sometimes blue screens if yes, they're red, green. Of course, <laughs> it's sure. like, but uh, and we had this system where we could. Uh, it was kind of cool. You could swap out colors, so you could like swap out red and green, or green and blue, or you know, and so you could get different um, colors of this of the same animation. You know, get different people, and you know, having them do the same animations, and uh, um, just it was it was beautiful. And this kind of high res stuff. We I was I was just like, you know, this is the end of the pixel. Yeah, we're sure. gonna be you know doing you know we're finally and all this pixelated crap. We're so tired of this. And we're going to have just, you know, f- cinema verite, you know, and, <laughs> and it always amazed me because then like 30 years later, I remember my, one of my kids who was like 10, you know, and he said, daddy, play this cool new game. And it's called Minecraft. And it's the <laughs> yeah. coolest. And the cool thing is you have like these really big pixels, you know, and, yeah. and I'm just like, what? <laughs> you know, like I spent my whole career trying to get rid of pixels. And now you, now, now you think pixels are cool. Like, oh my God, I'm just like, you know, it's like, I've, you know, I've, I've like, I've wasted, you know, wasted another 30 years. Yeah. Um, what was all that about? Yeah. I mean, I'm just staying on knock for a minute. I mean, it, it, it's over the top. Yeah, it's it's yeah. bloody. It's violent. The, the, the object is to arrest yeah. and kill drug yeah. offenders, yeah. confiscate the money and drugs and defeat Mr. Big. <laughs> and and yeah. I, I, I ask this with That's right. know, genuinely That's right. no 
prior knowledge, but surely Narc was influenced in in the best possible yeah. way by the the ultra violence and the satire, of course, of of, of, of Paul Verhoeven's RoboCop. Would that, is it fair to say? Or, oh, absolutely. Or is that just yeah, it is okay, cool, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, we kind of even you know, it's funny we ended up having the Narcs have that this helmet on, yeah, you know, and actually the only it really wasn't. Maybe slightly inspired by Robocop, but we had originally shot them without helmets. And it's just like they were too like human or something. They were too like you'd look at them and and you'd see like, well, that's not me. You know what I mean? You couldn't identify with that character. So by putting the, the, uh, the helmet, the motorcycle helmet on, it was like you really, you could put yourself in there. And, and uh, and it and that was that was that, that was really. Cool. I mean, I, and and it looked badass. And you just looked badass. You know, like we'd we'd always we'd have these guys, you know, like, and he'd always be like, ah, oh, man, this guy's got you know yeah. a bunch of hippie hair. You know, he's a, you know, he looks like some kind of uh, you know wimpy guy. He's never gonna kill people. You know, like you, you know, we, it's almost like you, it's just sure. like having those sunglasses. You know, you get those dark sunglasses on, and and all of a sudden you're a badass. And so that that's that was kind of uh, you know kind of a key element of that. And, uh, um, but yeah, then we, we had uh, that game, we had the, the brilliant artist, uh, Jack Hager, right. um, uh, doing all those characters and, and, uh, we had to, you know, film them in the studio. It was, it was kind of fun. We're doing live action filming and on, we're, we had to use treadmills to get the walk, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I uh, just, you know, it's, it's, we were just like, how do we get people to walk? You know? So we we start just walking across the screen. You go, well, and then, but that was all choppy. Like, well, no, we have to have them on a treadmill. So they stay in the same spot. And you get the run cycle. Sure. And uh, so we had to get the cycles. And then uh, the the craziest thing is when we, we had this, uh, these pit bull trainers who came came in the studio one day and, (laughs) and these, these dogs would, uh, they, they could only, they had two dogs and they would never let out. They couldn't let two out at once because, they kind of feed on each other's energy, you oh, know, and Jesus. like, okay. and like two of them becomes like a pack that's almost uncontrollable. Oh, no thanks. And, yeah. and so he would have them like, he had this big like padded uh, thing on his, on his arm that he could, you know, have the dog bite and, you know, right. and, just, and, he, and, the, and when this dog was like attacking this padded arm, the, the other dog in the cage would start like getting super excited and like, Wah! You know, what, like, what could and, go wrong, Eugene? You know, and uh, you know, just like, and he just really said, man, the energy of these dogs. And um, some point, uh, the uh, I think the, the the dog in the cage somehow, uh, you know, got out or something. <laughs> they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't latch the cage properly. I did ask, and, didn't I? And 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 so, and instead of going to the you know, the guy that's getting filmed, you know, we thought, well, he, the dog would just run over to the other dog, you know, and, and right. they'd attack the guy or something that this, the other, the, the dog got out of the cage and started going toward us <laughs> with the camera. Uh, and, and we're just like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, we are so fucked. And, <laughs> but somehow, you know, he like, I, I guess he pulled like some jerky out of his pocket or something. <laughs> And you know, threw it out, <laughs> threw it, threw it out at, at the dog, and it you know kind of lost interest in us or something. But, um, but yeah, that was like uh, when that pit bull started, sort of like like looking at us, like oh, yeah, soil yourself, yeah. Sure. Oh my god, that was. I mean, uh, just just how aware were you, Eugene? I mean, when you when you were developing Knock of um, the potential and 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 or uh, the impending criticism 
the, the, the from the moral majority. I mean, we. I mean, you knew you were making a violent game. You were obviously deliberately kind of doing, you know, kind of pushing all the all the right buttons. You knew what you were doing, right? When you, when yeah, you, I yeah. think. Well, we were just trying to. I don't know. I guess it, it's the same struggle you have today. You know, it's like there's a million things out there. Are a billion, yeah. you know, a million channels of of streaming or whatever. You know, and and like, how do you get noticed? How does how do you get people to talk about your game and to be interested in it? And and so we were just like. Um, you know, didn't want to have another blaster on our hands. So, so it was just like we were gonna, we would do anything humanly possible to just freak people out. Yeah, and like remember this game. Yeah, and sure. Uh, sure. and so we just pulled all the stops. You know, and but I do, in- lo- I do love that kind of anarchic spirit, which which has been there since day one with video games, and it was it was still there when you were designing things like yeah that. exactly yeah kind of yeah. like death race if you remember exactly race, you exactly know? exactly and, and that spirit and and uh and it was like uh um you know we just wanted to uh you know make make some kind of impression on people because yeah. the worst thing is just like if they you know you want somebody to love you or hate you you know and it, the worst thing is they're just bored you know that's that's mm. the only sin the only sin today is being boring yeah you know? i'm not sure i'm not sure it's such a bad thing i mean i mean probably not for the better in 2023 but it seems almost quaint to be discussing merely blood right you know i mean exactly. i mean i mean obviously for the time it was kind of shocking i guess in a video game and it was something to write home about but now it it looks really sort of tame given given the uh given that distance right oh yeah yeah i mean it's uh it is weird how um yeah the, the context of the times uh change things you know yeah but, uh, and, there's, and there's so much crammed into into narc you know Porsches you can drive, dogs you can shoot, noise, explosions. You went you went full bore. In, in addition to the blood, as as aforementioned, was was throwing the kitchen sink at it and assaulting the player's sense as a key part of your original vision, or was it just like an organic um, process? That everything sort of got thrown in. Yeah, and well, yeah, everything we can think of, and uh, and so we had, remember that you had Hypo Man, and he's like sh- sh- throwing giant syringes at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then it kind yes. of like injects you with this <laughs> crap, and you, you yeah, know, you, go, you go crazy. Um, and uh, but you know, kind of the the ultimate mission was to get to Mister Big, you know, and you had to just go mm-hmm. through a gauntlet of of uh, challenges. And you know, it was it was the 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 monetization strategy of that era was the buy in game. Um, you buy, you know, you buy extra lives, which amazingly in mobile games today is is an extremely common strategy um, that they've, you know, adapted really from from that era. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you just you have to keep buying lives to continue. And sure, and, yeah. And, uh, and but the, the 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 final encounter with Mister Big uh, is truly that's where you have the surrealistic nightmare you know where he's you know i don't think i've ever got that fine knock but um I, oh, I'm, I'm sure i've seen it oh, no God. no no i mean oh, i, I, I like knock very much but i i personally know i haven't i tell you you know the pleasure dog you know like getting to heaven is maybe disappointing but this was like a trip to hell and it was and this is fascinating <laughs> It's like the final battle with Mr. Big. I mean, he's like, he shoots like these giant tongues at you. Um, you know, you finally blow his head off and he, and they have the skull, the skull animating skull on this, on, on like this uh, 
undulating spinal cord. Yeah, so you've <laughs> still got that kind of like anarchic, gonzo, wacky, crazy shit going off, right? With with yeah. with something like not just like you've got happening in Smash TV. You've right, got this that, was just the next. Actually, this was it's a Jarvis game, right? Even though this was after Smash TV, it was. Uh, it, it actually, I mean, before Smash Team, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. This yep, was before Smash yep, yep, Actually, before. the effects were way more over the top. And uh, um, again, we had a really great kind of 2D, 3D um, projection, sideways projection rather than overhead. And uh, so it was kind of cool. You could really see the height of things and stuff. And, and that final encounter is just uh, phenomenal. There, there was actually, um, I think the, the movie, The Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, the right. original movie had uh, had had like uh, maybe a minute of 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 narc footage there, and I think it was in that last battle with Mister Big. Um, it was crazy uh, to see that okay. in, in a movie theater. You know, like what the f? You know, I quite, was, I quite like that film, Eugene. Yeah, I have yeah, to say, yeah. it's um, it's yeah. not the greatest film ever made, but it was um, it was certainly unique. Yeah, this <laughs> was in the bad guys' hideout. They're yeah, all, they're all playing narc. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they had this on mentioned. screen. They had the, the the final boss battle on screen. I recall awesome. it, was, it was it was it was just uh, that that was just made my day. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. And I'm uh, just 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 before I close out on my section, yeah. uh, Eugene. I mean, a favorite book of ours, the games that weren't makes reference to an unreleased game called USSA. And we know that Warren Davis and John Newcomer worked on this. Do, do you have any recollections yourself of USSA? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, that was actually a, a really interesting uh, uh, concept. I guess they never uh, got to uh, realize that. But that's right. It, it was uh, it was kind of brilliant. You know, I, I uh, and I, I would, you know, I love to like um, brainstorm with them about it. And and so basically the idea was the USSR um, yeah. invaded the USA and uh, and then they had, uh, uh, you know, these tanks, you know, attacking like McDonald's and stuff. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it was, you know, just this kind Not of so bizarre uh, juxtaposition of, you know, this, you know, this capitalistic uh, paradise, you know, invaded by, uh, you know, very... Uh, Soviet uh, troops. Yeah, the Soviet troops, uh, you know, you know. And uh, so that that was, I, I thought that was interesting. And, now it, you know, they just, uh, I guess they, there wasn't enough uh, time or money or something to to make that happen. But a, a brilliant idea. I think, you know, I, I still yeah. wish we, we, we would have done that. It is a really good idea. And I think, and Paul and Tony might want to jump in here, especially Paul, but a few of the games that have actually been released have kind of gone down this route with um, like a, a Soviet army. Uh, invading the United States of America, Paul. Well, that's that? that's a, that's as much of a cliche of video games as you know the zombie apocalypse. I'd, I'd argue. Well, yeah, not quite, not quite up there, but yeah, for sure, it's been done before for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, it, when um, Warren and John talk about it, they say it was sad because it was like William seemed to suggest there could only be one project going forward and and knock one for understandable reasons. Is that how you felt about it, Eugene? You, you know, they had to back one project. And it was knock. Yeah, well, I guess they they didn't just didn't have the budget to do two projects at once. So I mean, mm. unfortunately, it put us in an awkward position. <laughs> what um, could have but, been, uh, you know, who knows? It you know it uh, what could have been, and uh, this you know the seventeen ways narc might have been killed. Yeah, that theme keeps coming back. 
Right, yeah. You know, <laughs> right, yeah. Back back to Paul's theme here, sure. Yeah, cool. Okay, let's let's go let's go through to Tony and he's going to talk about um going into the nineties and beyond, uh, into Raw Thrills. Yeah, I'm Eugene. I'm conscious of time. We've been talking for like two and a half hours already, and we, we could easily go on for another hour or so. So, just uh, just for um, completeness' sake, um, after after Midway and uh, Williams, you spent some time playing around with early virtual reality systems, and and what fell out of that, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, is um, was a a sprite scaling engine which ultimately ended up uh, being the cruise in USA. Um, video game presumably you sort of felt you were on to 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 sort of something with that around um the 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 release of cruise in usa yeah actually that was not true oh okay research again right the um well who knows you know not many sources this but the um actually um uh this is uh a great hardware engineer a guy by the name of mark lafredo who um came from uh silicon valley and uh came he wanted to you know see some cloudy skies and snow and came back to chicago but with to be with his family he worked on this uh, computer company called amdahl which i guess was one of the big company mainframe companies back in the day mm-hmm. and uh so he's an expert in uh um vlsi uh, chip design and so he did the uh the NARC custom uh, accelerator chip for a graphics uh, coprocessor okay. that did all that, uh, you know, had amazing throughput. And that system uh, went on to power, you know, Smash TV right. and then Terminator 2 and um, uh, Mortal Kombat and uh, on and on and on uh, for, the, for the 2D games of that generation. Uh I guess MGA Jam may have been one of the last games. Um, and uh, um, so I think it was somewhere in that project, um, uh, Mark and I, I think it was during the Mark project that, that we, uh, I, I kind of created, found, found a way to do a scaling algorithm. And so Mark implemented it actually in the, uh, the chip that powered um, the later renditions of uh, the NARC system. I think it was called the T-Unit or something. Okay. And actually that was used in the game T2 um, mm-hmm. to do, they had a scaling, um, you know, the robots would scale and come toward you and, mm-hmm. and fight you. And that was also used in NBA Jam to, to do scaling. Um, I think as the players ran up and ran up and down courts. Um, and, uh, but no, but for Cruising USA, we had to start over and make it entirely a new system that was a okay. 3D uh, texture mapped system. Um, in fact, uh, you know, uh, polygon to texture map 3D system. Uh, uh, and it, it turned out that system was pretty much the equivalent of the Sony PlayStation. Right. Um, and uh, um, it was, you know, it was pretty amazing. We only had, uh, it was actually just two hardware guys ended up designing that in Actually, it turned out to be a little more powerful than the Sony PlayStation. So Not that kidding. was pretty amazing feat for two guys to do that. Um, and that and that was the hardware that went into Cruise in USA. Wow. Okay. And uh, you know, of course, from there we, uh, was born your company Raw Thrills, 
and just looking through some of your releases over the right. years, you know, Fast and Furious, Jurassic Park, Big Buck Hunter, Guitar Hero, Minecraft, you name it, you've you've done it. I I just wonder what considerations you have to make these days versus the eighties. And I was just thinking about things like licenses. It, it almost seems now that for most arcade video games that are released in in the big neon huge cabinets there needs to be some sort of license attached to it is that is that a fair statement uh, it's not uh it's not it's not totally totally necessary but um it certainly i think is uh advantageous often mm-hmm. um because i mean you're kind of in this point of purchase impulse environment you know you right. walk into an arcade so how do you how do you attract players? You know, and a lot of players are are um, you know fairly casual. You know, they're not like lifetime gamers or anything. They're just out to have fun. You know, mm-hmm. and and so you you know you need to you have lots of flashing LEDs. You know, this is very yep. important <laughs> because you know the the one rule today is all things must glow. You know, it's like you know we're 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 attracted to shiny objects. You know. <laughs> And and uh, and then the next thing is you know you have to have some kind of theme that's that's interesting, and, mm-hmm. um, some kind of challenge that's very fascinating, and and uh, so having you know some huge license, um, say like we we do a Jurassic Park game or Minecraft or we have, actually have the, probably the world's largest uh, current uh, arcade game. Uh, which is Halo Fireteam Raven, the four-player version. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's, it's, it's yes, I think huge. It's huge. Yeah. <laughs> I I have seen that myself in the wild, and it's um it's certainly imposing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's like it's like a, it looks like a giant spaceship or something. It's yeah, it's really cool. And that's I don't know. So you know, it's funny. So you also need. It's almost like you need architecture now too. You know, it's like. Um, and, and it's just this whole package's environment and, um, you know, so it's really, you know, it's, but but it's, it's kind of, it's kind of really fun and you're just, you're creating these, these, you know, worlds of, you know, entertainment and, and, uh, and like, uh, our Jurassic Park game is another thing, another one that's, that's, um, just, I think is, is brilliantly executed and you kind of go in this environmental cabinet and you have subwoofers and. You know, eight speakers and and amazingly great video visuals and stuff and dinosaurs and all those good things. Yeah, it's. I mean, there isn't a great deal of subtlety around, is there? I mean, you're, the the twenty foot Pac Man and Space Invaders Frenzy games are probably good examples of that. It's 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 like taking that you know nineteen um, inch monitor concept and and just blowing the whole thing up. Yeah, it, it, no, it's it's fascinating. Like the um, you know if we took like a Pac Man out there and set it in a modern arcade, probably in that way you know it'd probably make you know seven dollars and thirty cents on the week or something, and uh, you know and but if we took just the same game and made it you know ten feet high and eight feet wide and with you know. Um, our version of the giant Pac-Man, you know, we have, it's actually discrete LEDs. It's got right. like 60 some odd thousand discrete LEDs for the screen. So it's very bright and shiny and, you know, incredible angle of view and everything. And uh, um, and then all of a sudden it's like, wow, that's incredible. You know, mm-hmm. I think, you know, people are so used to like looking at these little uh, phones, you know, they spend their whole life looking at phones that they, they get into an arcade and then like, oh mm-hmm. my God, you know, <laughs> 
they, they're freaked out. They go, wow, there's a world out there, you know? <laughs> and, <laughs> um, but it, so it's kind of like, uh, it's weird. It's just this arms race For sure. that we're creating bigger and more and crazy things. And, you know, just, uh, I don't know, maybe we'll finally just have one, $1 billion game and that'll be it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fascinating. Well, um, Eugene, we, we've we've interviewed many people who've worked um, on arcade games in the seventies and eighties who uh, left them behind and obviously moved into developing home video games or just simply went into different careers altogether. But you, of course, um, are the only person I think we've had on the show who who, who has kept this ongoing link with coin-operated video games for what six decades now. So, I mean. Are you, is that fair? Six decades? Five uh, or six decades? A long time. 90s. Yeah, I guess five. Yeah, okay. Five, five decades. So it's, it's probably yeah. true to say um, you're still in love with the whole idea of arcade games. Yeah, you know, you just get kind of hooked into it. You know, the – and I guess in some ways I, I just think I'm trying to create Defender again, and I'm never – I'm not good enough to ever make something that good. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. I'm, so I'm, you know, I, I just want to make that ultimate game, and you know, we come close, you know, with something. And uh, uh, but I don't know. It's just, it's just fun. It's fun. It's a fun. I just love being in the games, you know, creating games and and seeing people having fun. You know. Yes, I wanted to Is ask the- that. Did you peak early? <laughs> <laughs> what? Is that was that a serious comment? Um, Eugenia, do, I mean, are, are you do, do you do you do you sit and stare at the screen, uh, stare at the ceiling at night in bed and think, I just wish I could just reproduce that magic again, or is it just simply a, a sort of subconscious tactic you use to continuously, you know, um, produce games that people want to play? You know, I think every every game is unique. You know, I think you 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 get some impulse, you know, you're you're just in the back of your mind everywhere you go, like what would be a cool game? What would be a great game? You know? And, Mm. and, you know, hang out in arcades, you play mobile games, you play, you know, console games, and you're just trying to get that inspiration that, you know, of the next cool game. And then you kind of just, you get hooked on some idea and then you have to go out and make it happen. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously, that's a lot of work to to get it get it to make make something happen, and uh, and you try to make it the best thing it can be, you know, and right. and maybe the, some, you know, obviously some concepts are just kind of self limiting, and but you want to make it the best you can within its, you know, with, with when what it is, and make it the, the, you know, that's just you know, do do something that's cool that people go, wow, that's that's really neat, you know, yeah. Uh, Eugene, it's been an absolute honour um, to have you on the show. Uh, thank you so much for um, your deep dives and your uh, candour, and um, thanks very much for coming on. Yeah, can can I just add that? Well, first of all, it is six decades. You are in your sixth decade, which is an incredible achievement. Oh my God! Thank thank you for not only what? sharing your philosophy of game design, but it sort of slipped into your philosophy of life. And I, I'm, I particularly like the if it's fun at step one, you're fucking done. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to have that on a t-shirt with just Eugene Jarvis, and I'm going to live by that. I'm going to live by that. So, so thank you for all. Thank you for everything. Is what I'm saying. Oh, hey, thank you guys. I mean, it's it's been a blast hanging out, man. I just, uh, 
I could go another three hours, man. You're whipping out on me, man. It's like, well, <laughs> you really could. <laughs> yeah, Eugene. Is, <laughs> no, it's been great, Eugene. You've, yeah. I mean, the, the the one thing, I mean, in in addition to Paul constantly bringing up Nolan Bushnell's hot tubs, you know, at least every single interviewee of ours has um, has referenced you. So you are you are this kind of perennial yardstick, Eugene, and and you're still out there making games. Uh, you're still out there Don't making coin up games, and it's, it's oh, okay. just so wonderful, and it's and it's and it's great to speak with you. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Ted Dabney Experience podcast with me, Richard May, Retro Gamer Magazine's Paul Drury, and arcade blogger Tony Temple. The show was produced and edited by myself, with a bespoke score and sound suite by Ghost of Wood. Additional technical support by Jason Arbor. what's it like looking back at robotron after all these years and obviously it it's still at the at the core of a, a thriving scene um you know you know, are dedicated robotron players to this day and, and it's still very much there in every single classic arcade you can care to mention what's it like after all this time this remove you know st- first of all knowing you know seeing that your game is out there but but more importantly knowing that it's still being played do you see people doing things you could never possibly have imagined yeah well this i mean obviously you know three days after it went to the arcade you know they were they were i mean they were genius you know like polymath yeah. uh robotron whisperers you know <laughs> i mean it's it was it, it was it was just uh it's amazing the uh the ability of of the players out there and the and the way they're able to exploit um you know your code and your algorithms and 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 what it what it really amazes me some of the great players um they don't even break a sweat you know they just have this way of being so relaxed and calm and but it's such a physical game it really it yeah, truly yeah, is yeah and i mean for me i have to like I have to get so I have to get into an absolute rage, you know, and and you know, grabbing those joysticks and throwing the game around physically and kicking in the coin door, and I have to get like super mad just yeah. to get my blood flowing enough 
that I can I can react within like milliseconds. You know, it takes me like 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 a half an hour to get warmed up. Yeah, it's a workout. But yep. the, and some of the great players, they they're very uh, they really have great uh, you know energy uh, conservation, and you know that's how they're able to play for for sometimes days on end. You know, they they're just almost effortlessly uh, just toying with the game. Well, I think for for for, for- yeah, for the uninitiated listening, I mean, people who do marathon, as it's known, these yeah. games, I mean, we're, we're, you're not exaggerating. People do play these games for that length of time sometimes, don't they? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, uh, it's it's amazing. Um, but yeah, I just, it's, and it's interesting, like Defender um, uh, is, you know, obviously there's um, Defender players. It's interesting, Defender and Robert, they're, they're the 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 people have their game you know it's it's rare that they're great on both and and defender is i think a little more of a kind of a hair trigger twitch game uh you have to have incredibly quick reflexes 